He was buried and he rose again the third day, even as he said he would. And he was seen by hundreds of witnesses. There's all kinds of evidence. And as we talked about last week, just incontrovertible proof. Why would people who knew him and saw him die and then saw him after his, his death, why would they make something like that up when there was a death penalty ultimately attached to it? Why would people rather die than to say, nah, he didn't rise from the dead. It's absolutely foolish to believe anything other than these witnesses were telling the truth. When you look at what Paul did with his life, you'd have to say, man, if you would devote yourself to this message, you must really believe what you said, that you saw Jesus, that he really did rise from the dead. Now he continues in this discussion beginning with chapter 12, and he starts to deal, it's another way of arguing, he has just argued the positive point that Jesus obviously rose from the dead, and that's our message, but now he begins to discuss, well, what if he didn't? Because there are people who would deny the resurrection. There were people even in those days, now there wasn't anyone in those days who would seriously say that oh yeah, you guys never saw him, he didn't really rise from the dead, in some sense. But, but they would go to the lengths to say, well, he rose from the dead, but actually it was just a mysterious sort of thing. What, what you were seeing was an actual ghost. In those days, even as in this day, there were a couple of major schools of thought. One of them, that materialistic school of thought that says, Everything that there is is just what exists physically. So therefore, um, you know, thought and consciousness and dreams and all those kinds of things are only happening because chemicals are mixing with other chemicals within your body. All of reality is what is physical. And there are people today who think that, and there were people in those days who thought it. There was another school of thought, and Plato, the Greek philosopher, was one of the leaders in this, and, and they believed even today as Christian science and Oprah Winfrey and other people believe that, well, you know, real existence is sort of a spiritual, uh, immaterial kind of existence, and that which is physical is more kind of a figment of your imagination, or if there is something physical, that's the bad part of us. The good part of us is the ghostly part of us that will sort of live on in the ooze somehow. And there's that kind of goofy, superstitious sort of idea. And that was, that's where we get this, the idea of a platonic relationship, a relationship that's not physical, but it's just sort of a mystical, spiritual sort of a thing. Paul wants to address this and say, no, the resurrection is as real as it gets. Resurrection, the very word and the very concept, it does not mean reincarnation, that your essence kind of gets another body. It does not mean that, well, there's a sense in which you're alive because your spirit is sort of felt throughout the you know, memories of people who know you and those kinds of things. Resurrection means something very simple. A being, a physical being, who, is, who embodies a spirit and a soul, ends up dying 
and then coming back, bodily resurrected, a body that is connected to and related to their original body. It's the real you. You're actually there. You've come back from the dead in a physical form with a spiritual reality as well. Anything less than that isn't resurrection. And Paul wants to address here how important that is, how central it is. And as a result, he argues from the negative and says, okay, let's suppose it's not really a resurrection. Now, we know that it was. He's already proven that. And remember, Jesus didn't come back as some kind of ghost or in a what some people call a spiritual body that was just like a floating around kind of a body. It's true that his body had some capacities that it hadn't had before because he could apparently come into a room without opening the door. But at the same time, remember the great lengths in the Gospels that Jesus went to to say, look, I'm flesh and bones. I'm real. Go ahead, touch me. Hey, come on, watch. I'll eat some fish. See, I'm real. Now, Paul kind of addresses that, and we'll begin reading with verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How are you denying that there's real life after death? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Now he says, we are lumped in with him. If his resurrection was real then our resurrection will be real. We can actually come back from the dead. But if his isn't, or if ours isn't, his isn't either, because he says that he's going ahead of us, and he says, because I live, you will live also. Jesus is the one who set the the stage for saying, look, my resurrection is what is going to happen to you if you put your faith in me. And so Paul here is saying, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, well, you know, maybe Jesus actually rose, maybe he didn't, but it's not possible for the rest of us. He's going, it's all or nothing. We're all in on this bet. Either this is real, it happened to him, and it's going to happen to us, or it's not real, it didn't happen to him, it's not going to happen to us. And he goes on to say, And if Christ is not risen, so he goes, verse 14, he says, let's suppose for a minute that Christ isn't risen. Now, that sounds like a shocking sort of thought to us. Ooh, how do you even say such a thing? Why should you even suppose such a thing? But, you know, the truth is there are plenty of people today, a lot of them foolishly considering themselves to be Christians, a lot of them Christian theologians, who would tell you either that, okay, Christ probably didn't really rise from the dead. He did in a sense, in a mystical sort of way. He left his aura and spirit for the rest of us, but maybe he didn't really rise from the dead. But there are a whole lot of other pastors who, they would not say, oh, I don't believe in the resurrection, literally. But they say, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. What I can deal with is, the lessons that Jesus taught us, the good standards that he sent. And to me, if I found out that he didn't, you know, if they found his body could prove it was his DNA and whatever, it wouldn't ruin my faith at all. 
And so they kind of say, it's not that big of a deal. And there are a lot of people who just suspend judgment and go, okay, I'm not going to argue it. Maybe he rose from the dead and maybe he didn't. And then there are others who just adamantly deny it. And then there's another category of people who just don't ever talk about it. It's like, yeah, I believe it, but let's not talk about it. For us, what we need to talk about is how to live productive lives, how we can be happy, how to have a happy marriage, how to be successful, how to, and, and the resurrection becomes something that, oh, it's not really an important, it's in our creed, but we don't think about it. What Paul here is arguing is, this is the big deal. So he says, as a result, let's just suppose, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? If Christ is not ridden, risen, verse 14, then, first of all, our preaching is empty. He said, I don't have anything else to tell you. He just said, our message, the message that saves you, is the message that Jesus Christ really died, was really buried, and he really rose again, and people saw him. He was real. They touched him. As John would say over in 1 John chapter 1, our hands handled him. He's the word of life. So Paul says, understand this. I don't have a message other than this message. My message, if I take the resurrection out of it, it's totally empty. And that is absolutely true today. If we remove the resurrection from our message, it's an empty message. It doesn't, because whatever else it is, it doesn't have the power to conquer death. It doesn't have a power to confront the enemy that is the enemy of us all. The fact that these bodies are made to be disposable, that unless they are regenerated, unless something radical happens to them, our existence is problematic by the time we get to a certain age, and sometimes because of accidents or illness, even much younger than that age, we face death. And the fear of death, concern for death, the desire to preserve our life is something that's as close to universal as we as, experience, as, we as human beings experience. And so Paul's saying, the message that I have is empty if I leave the resurrection out of it. To get up and say, I have good news for you. Christ died for all of us. And he was a real good man. And he set great examples, and he was a servant. And? No, that's it. He goes, sorry, it doesn't work. That message doesn't fly. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, he said, our message is empty. But secondly, in verse 14, he says, and your faith is also empty. Not only Paul would say, I don't have anything to tell you if there's not a real resurrection, but he said, the truth is, you're believing in nothing also. Whatever your faith is in and whatever it's about, it's empty. It's powerless. It's hopeless. If all Jesus did was come and show us how to sacrifice ourselves, so what? Anyone can do that. I could make you do it right now. Is that, is that something worth living for? He goes, what an empty faith. You're, you're believing that what you do now has some kind of payoff in the future. He goes, if there isn't a guarantee of life after death, then your faith is wasted. It's empty. 
There isn't anything else for you to really believe in. And how sad it is when you see people who believe in nothing. They believe in their own fantasies. They believe in their own dreams. They make up their own religion, and it makes them feel good to fool themselves. That kind of weird wish fulfillment, new agey kind of thing where it's like, okay, right now, are you feeling really sad? Because you know that chances are on Monday you're going to lose your job and your house is in foreclosure and your kids hate you and you don't have any friends. Hey, close your eyes right now and imagine that you're wealthy beyond dreams. Imagine that you're in your private villa in the south of France on the Mediterranean, just enjoying the good life, sipping a big glass of whatever it is you sip in your imagination. And, and for me, it would be sugar-free lemonade. And, <laughs> and just think, allow the warmth and the, and the security to, to enfold you and to make you just feel enraptured. Isn't that wonderful? And you go, yeah, okay, now... Back to real life. Oh, man, that's how empty it is. It's a, it's a fantasy. Is that what you want to do is fool yourself into feeling better temporarily? Well, that's the best that you got if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead and if he can't really do it for us too. So first of all, our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And then verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So he goes, not only is my message empty and your faith is empty, but he said, the people who are preaching the gospel, the people who are claiming that Jesus rose from the dead and that you can go to heaven, that you can put your faith in him and live forever, oh man, those people... They're false witnesses. They're liars. So if the resurrection isn't real, you got to deal with the fact that now Paul wasn't a good guy. Billy Graham's not a good guy. Every other pastor who's ever spoken to you or anyone who ever talked to you about the gospel or shared it, they were lying to you. They weren't just kind of well-meaning, deceived. No, they were lying. They told you something that wasn't true, and you believed a lie. It's worse than just having an empty faith. It's something that's based on believing people who aren't worth believing. And you know who the first person was who told you this was Jesus himself. And so, hey, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then he's a liar. Because he said he would, and he said he would do it for you too, and if he didn't do that, if he just tricked us, if he was just playing a game, then forget about saying, oh, Jesus was a great teacher. No. Like C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, and many people have said it also, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, completely nuts, or he's the Lord. Now, there are people today who say, yeah, that doesn't work because there's a fourth possibility. Maybe he thought that he was God and he thought he would raise from the dead and then he didn't. So maybe he was just deceived. Well, that's lunacy. 
That still comes under. Listen, if you think you're God and you're not, you're nuts. Okay? That's one of the... You, you don't need a psychiatrist to, to tell you that. I'm telling you right now, you're here today and you think you're God, you are crazy. And anybody who would tell you that Jesus rose from the dead, if he didn't, they're not crazy. They're lying to you. They ought to know better. And so he says, look... If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if these liberals are correct, then I don't have a message. You don't have a faith. And everybody who's ever shared this message is evil, is a liar. He goes on in verse 16 to say, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Stating that again. Remember, this is all lumped together as a package. And again, hypothetically, if Christ is not risen... Your faith is futile, as he said before, but you are still in your sins. That's the fourth consequence. You got a sin problem. In your life, you are doing things that do not measure up to what God says, to his standards. You're messing yourself up. You're messing up the people around you. We all do this. Sin is a problem that's undeniable in our life. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're still stuck in your sin. And you better have a way of dealing with that problem. You better have a way of addressing that. Because if Jesus died and stayed dead, then he's just like any other man. Even if he was just a perfect man, then he died, but his death only satisfied the penalty for himself. He had to be completely God and completely man, so that his death would be worth paying for the sins of the world, and so that he could be related to us as a man, so that he could die in our place. Now, if he didn't rise from the dead, then we have no awareness that our sin has been taken care of. More than that, we have strong biblical evidence that our sin is not being taken care of. Over in Hebrews chapter 7, the author of Hebrews, who I think is Paul, other people don't, but the Holy Spirit was the author of Hebrews. And he said this. He said that Jesus Christ can save to the uttermost those who put their faith, in, those who come to the Father by him because he lives forever to make intercession for the transgressors. Hebrews 7.25. The reason why my sin is forgiven today is because Jesus rose from the dead and he's sticking up for me right now. If that's not the case, then I'm sunk. If that's not the case, then I am in my sins and I might as well just die now because the only way that someone dealt with my sins, the only possibility that's ever been proposed biblically or otherwise really, is that someone, perfect man God, died for my sin, paid the price, and rose from the dead, and now is saying, Dave is mine. I died for him. I'm sticking up for him. I'm coming to his defense. That's not true if he isn't risen. A fantasy can't do that. A mystical spirit can't do that. A warm, fuzzy feeling or a great memory cannot be there doing that. I'm dead in my sins if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and so are you. And he goes on to say if Jesus didn't really 
rise from the dead, verse 18, then also, the fifth consequence, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. All of those people that you love who have died, they've gone on and, well, we've said that, oh, they're in a better place. They've entered into their eternal reward. Now they're in the arms of Jesus. Huh? Not if he didn't rise from the dead. Now they're just, well, there are two disturbing possibilities. One, and this word perish is used often to refer to entering into judgment, is to being in a place of suffering. So if the Bible is right enough about this, then those people who, who died believing in Jesus Christ are now, well, they're suffering for their own sins. And that's one possibility. Now, best case scenario is the Bible has that wrong, doesn't really matter, and the truth is when you die, your life is over, it just ends, your being just ceases to exist, and now they're nothing. And that's what a lot of people believe. And, you know, you think, well, it's not so bad. I don't mind being nothing. But when you think about it, in terms of just the length of time, and what a small opportunity that we have to live life. What a tragedy if this life is all there is. What a tragedy, all the opportunities that were missed. How I would, oh, there are some people that I would give almost anything to just have them back for a little longer. They offered so much to my life. Now, I take comfort in the fact that I'll see them again. But to never see them again? For them to never have opportunities that are possible, that would be a horrible tragedy. I would hate to really say goodbye for good to someone I love. But Paul said, if the resurrection isn't real, you better kiss them goodbye. You better just say, hey, that's it. Maybe they're suffering, maybe they aren't. I'm never going to see them again. That's the fate if there's no bodily resurrection. And, of course, Paul over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 said, you know, you've had people that you love who have, who have died. But he said, we don't have to mourn like those who have no hope. We do mourn. In the same way that when a friend of ours is leaving to go on a long trip and we're not going to see them for a while. It hurts us, and we may shed a few tears, but oh, we know they're coming back, but it hurts that we're going to be without them for a while. That's the kind of mourning that we do when we lose our loved ones. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead, and he said, if they believe in me, then they are going to live just as sure as I am alive. Oh, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt like you don't have any hope. But imagine a world where you don't have that, where it's just they're gone and they're never coming back. It's kind of like what your dog thinks when you leave in the morning. That's why they're crying. They think you're never coming back. That's why they're so happy when you get home. They never thought they'd see you again. <laughs> that's an animal life. That's, that's not a human life. We have people who we dearly love. I'm sure most of us have people that, oh, if we could take their place right now, we would do it in a second. For them to come back and have more opportunities for life and relationships and all of that, they left too soon. And yet, 
there is Jesus standing there saying, it's okay. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm alive, they're alive. They're with me. It's okay. But Paul says, give up the resurrection and you give up that. You ever stop believing in real resurrection, then, oh man, you got a lot of mourning to do. Not just see you later kind of mourning, but goodbye mourning. And that's never the way that God wants us to, to live. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that's all we've got. And then finally in verse 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. He said, really, if this is all we have, what's here and now, this is it? We're pathetic. Oh, you go, oh, I don't know. I, I like believing what I've believed and I've been much happier. Really? Does that really make sense? If Jesus just died and set a wonderful example, what kind of an example is that? It's the reason why Ted Turner, the media mogul who, who's professing atheist, he's not an atheist, he's just mad at God. But Ted Turner says, Christianity is a religion of losers. And you go, oh, how could you say that? Well, because he's, been, he's heard of so many people who say they're Christians and don't believe in the resurrection. So, yeah, if there's no resurrection, Paul would agree with him. It's a religion of losers. You're following a guy who came and worked for 30 years of his life, then preached for three years, and then died at 33, and that's it? It was over? Oh, no, he touched so many lives. Oh, yeah, great. So they could die young, too. So they could sacrifice themselves as well. So they would live a life of misery, believing in something that wasn't going to take place. Congratulations. Paul says, you're a sucker. We're pathetic. People should look at us and go, that's sad. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It's true. The Christian life isn't worth living if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead and if we aren't really going to rise too to be with him in heaven. It's a complete sucker's bet if it wasn't for the resurrection. However, back up a little bit. Or read on another line in verse 20 as we'll pick up next week. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. So he goes, before you start feeling too sorry for yourself, before you start feeling too pathetic, I want to remind you, he did rise from the dead. Paul would say, I saw it. Do you think I would be pouring my life out for a fantasy? Do you think I'd be faking this and getting stoned and beaten and ultimately martyred? Why would I do this? I would tell you if this wasn't true. And all these other witnesses who are dying for their profession of absolute certainty that Jesus really was alive, come on, he is alive. I'm just saying, for future generations' knowledge and for those of you that want to mystify everything, I want you to remember the resurrection is what matters. It's the core, the center of Christianity. And if you take it out, you have nothing. It's worse than nothing. You're pathetic. But Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. Paul was certain of it, and I am certain of it. I am as sure of it as I am of anything imaginable. So what are the ramifications if he did rise from the dead? Look back through quickly. If he didn't rise from the dead, our preaching is empty. But because he did rise from the dead, the message of the gospel has incredible power. 
The message of the gospel is far from empty. It's full of that which will allow you to conquer the the main enemy, death. It can give you eternal life. The message has meaning because Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, your faith is empty. But since he did rise from the dead, you have a faith that's in something solid, something that's real, something that will last. If he didn't rise from the dead, we're liars, but he did rise from the dead, so we're telling you the truth. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. You can depend on it. This is real, as real as it gets. If he didn't rise from the dead, you're still in your sins. But because he did rise from the dead, you're free from your sins. Because he rose from the dead, and there are all these witnesses to prove it, you can know when he says that you're sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. That's real. Your sins are real. They aren't just imaginary. They aren't just artificial. Hey, your sins are real, and God's forgiveness of them are real. Yes, he can forgive anything. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins because he forever lives to make intercession. As long as forever is true, His resurrection is true, and your sins are forgiven. No doubt about it. Put your faith in him. Your sins will be forgiven. If he didn't rise from the dead, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But he did rise from the dead. And so all of those people who have gone on ahead of us, who had put their faith in Jesus Christ, hey, I don't have to wonder where they are. We didn't lose them. We know where they are. And I know that they are alive today. I know that I will see them again, that I'll touch them and hold them. It'll really be them because the resurrection is real. And if the resurrection wasn't real, yeah, we'd be pathetic. But the resurrection's real. So we have an abundant life. We have a, a, a reality, a guarantee of what happens after we're done here. After we're finished in this life, we're going to live on. And we're going to be in heaven and we're going to go, wow, it's really me. We're going to see each other and go, wow, you're looking better than you ever looked down there. But it's really you, isn't it? And you're going, it's more me than I ever was before. I'm finally the body that I was laboring for. The body I tried to pay for. The body I tried. I've got it. Here it is. This is amazing. (laughs) That's real. Because of the resurrection. Because Jesus died for our sins. Any religion that neglects that. Any religion that ignores that. Any religion that denies that. Is pathetic. Is just wishing that it's true. It's no better than me getting you to imagine yourself to a new you. I don't know about having your best life now, but I know you're going to have your best life, and it's going to go on and on. And the reason why is because Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, and we are connected to him because he lives. We are going to live also. You can take it to the bank. You know, I believe everything that the Bible says. You know, people go, come on, you believe a guy got swallowed by a whale? Yeah. 
You believe God created the world just by talking about it six days? Yeah. Do you believe that, you know, God literally wrote on tablets of stone Ten Commandments? Yeah. Do you believe that Jesus is going to come and float you up into the air in some rapture before the earth goes through a great? Yeah, I believe all that stuff. But I want to tell you something. That's not where my faith lies. If somebody came and proved that, well, God created the earth a little differently, or the rapture comes at a different time, or not at all, or, did, you know, all, okay, it was in a whale, the, the flood didn't cover the earth, I'd go, okay, I got the wrong idea. But my faith, absolutely at the center of my faith, I know Jesus Christ is God. He really came to earth. He really died dead. For my sins, he rose from the dead. That is the message of the good news, and I'm staking my life on it. And anybody who wants to disagree with that, disagree all you want. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. If you don't have that... I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I'd really want to live out my life just to have it come to an abrupt halt. I might just say, bring it on. I might just go eat, drink, and be merry. I sure wouldn't do anything for anybody else. Hey, come on. If I'm going to live by some Darwinian survival of the fittest, if I can take you out, I will. If I can take what's yours, I will. If they'll give me credit, I'll spend it. Because this is all there is. But I believe that Jesus Christ rose. And as a result, I don't care that much how much stuff I get down here. And I don't mind if I die and don't have all the toys. And I don't mind if I give my life trying to help somebody else. I'm not a sucker. Because I believe that when I give to others, when I offer myself, when I'm a living sacrifice, somehow... There's an eternal payoff because I'm living for heaven. So if it turns out Jesus didn't rise from the dead, yeah, I wasted my life. But Jesus did rise from the dead, and I'm doing exactly what I ought to be doing with it. And I wouldn't trade my life for anybody else's. I wouldn't trade what matters to me now for whatever matters to someone else or whatever would look like the best thing to do right now. I don't care about being the fittest or surviving or evolving. My future's taken care of, and I'm certain of it. And I'm so glad that I have so much evidence for the resurrection because that's the linchpin of who I am, what I believe. And I'll hang on to that. If I didn't have that, my message is done. I shut it down. But Jesus did rise from the dead, and we'll continue to see that as we continue to study through this great chapter. Now we're entering into a time of communion. Communion is the time when we celebrate what Jesus did as he died for us, and we also celebrate the fact it's not a funeral. There are some people who just believe that, that communion is like a funeral. Oh, it's where we weep and say, poor Jesus. Come on, he died a long time ago. Only stayed dead for a couple days. He's alive today. He didn't go, here, have communion and feel sorry for me. He's like, celebrate, look. When he said to them, this is my body and this is my blood, he was in his body. 
I'm really excited that when, in a moment, we hold in our hands those emblems of his body and blood. It's not his body. It's not his blood. He's real busy in his body right now praying for us, sticking up for us, sitting at the right hand. It's a, it's a beautiful memorial of what we are worth, of what he did for us. And even as we hold it and go, this doesn't look like flesh, this doesn't look like blood, duh, the real flesh. Jesus Christ is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's alive, so we celebrate what he did. We also celebrate that as real as crackers and juice are, that's how real his body is, and someday we'll touch it. Someday, if you want, you can go stick your hand in the hole in his side if that's what you want to do. You can hold him. You can feel him so long you've wished you could, and you go, I don't know, this isn't the same communion. No, it's real. And he is real. And we'll see him again. And he said, here, munch on this until I do it with you once more in my kingdom. And then you'll have the real deal. So we celebrate joyously that his death worked, that it was real, that his resurrection proves that, and we have new life as a result. That's the Christian message. Now, if there's anybody here today who's never been connected to Jesus Christ, you've never really given your life to him. He said that for those who come to God through Christ, he's going to always intercede for you, and he will raise you again after you've died. So all you have to do is go, Okay, I've had a hard time with this whole, I don't understand what Christianity is. I've made it as clear as I know how to make it. It's about saying, wow, he really died for me, and he really rose from the dead. He's alive today. And if you believe that, ask him to become your savior. Tell him right now within your heart, okay, sign me up. I want to be your child. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to rise again someday and see you in your glory. And if you just say that within your heart, then Jesus will save you. He'll send his spirit to live in you for reals. And he'll rise you after you've died and you'll see him and you'll be a part of all of us and you'll see all those you love who've gone on before. It's just a decision that you make to give your life to him. If you've never done it, you can do it right now, just in your own head. Go, yeah, that's what I want. And then as communion is passed out, and we'll invite the men to come forward now to pass out the elements, that communion will be great for you because you'll be going, this is real for the first time. I always just thought it was superstition. No, we're talking about real resurrection that he'll give you. And so you can partake with all of us in the reality of what he's done for us. Hang on to your, to your cracker and your juice until we've all received them and we'll partake together.